Welcome to It's Karmic. I'm your host, Mika Bradford. This is a sacred space to connect with karma and past lives through astrology, energy work, and intuition. Welcome back to the It's Karmic podcast with me, Vika Bradford. Today I have a juicy episode to offer to you guys all about the astrology and the transits of 2024. So this is an episode I've been wanting to create. And for those of you listening, you know, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus and maybe a little bit is... Um, (laughs) it's a stretch of a word where I've been feeling in this disintegration period. I'm in this death period in my business where it's not like the business, it's karmic Vika Bradford astrology is dying, but there is a dissemination of what has been. And that is in order for me to birth what is next, what is coming next. So for those of you listening who know me and who have been through this journey with me over the last, you know, four years, whether you've been on the podcast with me since the last three years almost, uh, this is something that will continuously happen inside of my business because it is my nature to burn things down, rebirth things, um, and, and actually literally birth things from the ether when the collective is ready to receive the next initiation. And so I have to go through the initiation first, and then I get to bring you guys with me. And you know, you've seen this many times through the journey with me and it's happening again. So get excited because you guys know, if you've been with me, you know, every time this happens, the upgrades, the next level of where we go inside of its karmic is a wild ride. So it's coming. Okay. It's coming. I'm in, I'm in this death period. A lot of you are in it with me. A lot of you are in this death period with me and that is okay. I want to remind you that that is perfectly okay. You're safe. You're all right. Uh, and we're making space, okay? And if you're not in this death period right now, that's cool too. It's all good wherever you are on your journey. You're good, you're safe. It's all working out in divine order, even when it doesn't feel like it. So I've been wanting to create this episode for you around the 2024 forecast, at least a portion of it, since before the solstice in December. And my energy's just not been aligned, not been aligned, not been aligned. I haven't had enough juice in the tank to actually create this for you. And thankfully, my dear soul sister, Vanya of Astro Bloom, you guys know her, you've listened to episodes with her before. She initiated a conversation of like, let's do this together. So Thank goodness she did. She hit that initiation button and we created a very powerful conversation to help you move through most of this year's energies with a little bit of ease and a little bit of grace, knowing what's coming energetically, right? Thematically, and not necessarily what's hundred percent going to happen, but those themes that are going to come up and rear their heads over the next 12 months. And so we hit on the major themes we think are important for you to know moving through 2024. And I believe this podcast will bring you a lot of peace, a lot of clarity, and hopefully some hope 
and breakthroughs around the energy. And as you move through this year, I hope that you're able to come back to this podcast and remember the lessons, the themes that were rearing their heads or being talked about because they're going to come up collectively and internally But as you know, everyone's going to experience them differently. My experience of these transits is going to be very different than yours. As you'll hear, Vanya's experience of these transits is going to be very different than mine. And that's the beauty of astrology. So we have put this beautiful conversation in the ether for you. We have dropped in all the links of the things we thought maybe you could listen to afterwards to help you go even deeper on all these subjects. And I can't wait to hear what you discover inside of this conversation. If you don't already follow Vanya, please go and follow astrobloom.ca on Instagram. And I'm going to put in the show notes our previous conversation so you can get to know her as well as a couple other links and good stuff. So without further ado, get on in there, enjoy, and I can't wait to hear what you come out of this with those aha moments, those breakthroughs. I can't wait to hear them. Hello, and (laughs) I'm happy that we're doing this finally because... We've been talking about it for a while, but we've both been in a little bit of a rest cycle. So better late than never, right? Seriously, I feel like we started talking about this before Christmas. And yes. life just is lifing right now. And we both just didn't have the energy to <laughs> to present much. <laughs> so I'm really excited we're having this conversation too. Me too. And I feel like it's very divinely timed because I know so <laughs> many people are in it. Like seriously. And it's funny because, you know, around Christmas, around solstice, I always take time off. Uh, I take the two weeks of, you know, solstice to New Year's off basically. And usually I'm able to come back after that. And I feel like I haven't been able to fully come back. And I feel like a lot of people are feeling the same way. 100%. I resonate with that. I, um, I always try to kind of take a bit of a, a low key time around that time too. And I also managed to get like sick right after new year's. Right. So I was sick for like a week straight and it was just like, I hadn't been that sick in a long time. Um, and it just, ever since then I felt like I felt behind and then I just never had the energy to actually catch up. I feel like this is what happens when we start the year in Mercury retrogrades because I don't remember what year, I think it was 2021 or something like that. We had like a million retrogrades or in a Venus retrograde, there's a whole bunch of shit going on. We started the year in this energy and I feel like no one was able to get their bearings Mm -hmm. until later in the season. And it just feels like an echo of that with that Mercury retrograde we started on everyone. Wasn't it in Capricorn too? Move back yeah. into Sag, right? There was just no m- momentum to do anything. Yeah. yeah. And I, mean, I feel like now that all of the planets are direct, it seems like there's like slowly some more forward momentum. But at the same time, I think so many of us are being confronted with like some of this really primal, deep wounding right now yeah. with Chiron conjunct the North Node. <laughs> that it's like there's so much focus on like inward reflection, work, you know, so much stuff coming up about relationships and all of these kinds of things. So it's it's not really conducive to like being out in the world and, you know, making (laughs) things happen. So (laughs) it's so true. And it's interesting because I made 
last year when we were having the node shift, I created a masterclass, you know, and all my my people and I went through this journey of what, what to expect when this transit happens and the big moments that are going to occur during the nodal shift. You know, there was the Jupiter moment with uh, the North Node and now we're moving into this you know, energy I looked at and I was like, we're going into this. And then it crept up and I was like, oh, you are uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable, right? So I love that we can prepare energetically for themes, but we never can prepare for how we're actually going to ride the waves when we get in there. Totally. And I know both you and I are Cancer Chirons. I don't mm-hmm. know what your degree is, but mine's at like 14 degrees. So it's okay, so right close. in it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's pretty close to this conjunction because the conjunction exactly is happening at, uh, I think it's 16. I think it's 16 as well. Yeah, mine's, my Chiron's at 25. So, I mean, it's a loose conjunction, but it's, it's so still loose. it's still in there. But I'm having, you know, this this is actually squaring my Saturn at 18 mm-hmm. degrees. So I'm feeling very Saturnian in this ride. And even the other day, you know, there's the frustration I've been experiencing with Saturn, but then there was the all right, mastery, like come back in, come work with me deeper, discipline, like, can you come back into my body, please? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I mean, probably an amazing uh, opportunity for us to get into more of this Chiron North Node conjunction and what people might be feeling and why they might be feeling it and, you know, how to maybe surrender to it or move through it. Uh, Do you want to lead us off with kind of what you're sensing? (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because the first, you know, moment of realizing that this conjunction was happening was actually when I was paying attention to Mars uh, on top of Pluto, this conjunction happening there. And I was really focused in. Oh, wow, this is a, a very intense moment. And I was feeling into all of the frustration, the anger. I was witnessing so many of my clients and students experiencing this frustration and anger. And you know, willpower being challenged and freedom being challenged. I was like, okay, all right, all right. And then I was like, oh, but there's this whole other layer that's happening simultaneously, uh, really poking the bear around, you know, remembering who the fuck you are and the loss of identity that has really occurred with this ride of Chiron and Aries, which is fascinating because, you know, we're going to be moving into Neptune and Aries in the next couple of years too, where I'm like the complete disintegration of identity is mm-hmm. it's like Chiron had to guide us through so that when we get to that Neptune transit, it's going to d- just disintegrate everybody. Um, and no one really knows who they are anymore. I feel like everyone's just trying to figure out who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? Um, everyone's trying to find their energy again. Everyone's trying to uh, really restore their power, their inner warrior and their ability to fight for what they believe in. But it also layers into war, right? And the amount of upheaval going on in the world right now and the inability to accept anybody else's viewpoints or there's just like this missing Libra link happening sometimes where or it's sometimes an overbearing Libra energy of like I'm right and this is just and there's only you know one way to go Um, so it's interesting with the Chiron energy where I'm just witnessing you know how this wound of I don't know who that who the hell I am so I'm gonna you know I'm gonna either attack the outsider or the other or I'm going to 
disassociate, disconnect from who I am. And and there is a bit of victimhood coming through, you know, that's complete loss of power and the melancholy that comes with that when you're like, I don't know who I am. So I'm just gonna, you know, either fall away, disintegrate, or I'm just going to be angry. I'm just going to be raging out. And that's something I've really witnessed. And then the relationship piece has been fascinating uh, because I feel like a lot of people are either losing friendships right now is a, is a big one, you know, with the Aquarius energy coming through the Libra South node energy coming through the wound of, I don't know who I am, or you're exerting your will on me and you're forcing me to think the way you think or whatever it is. Um, a lot of friendships are ending. A lot of friendships are blossoming. A lot of people are witnessing I'm in, I'm in misalignment in my relationships. I'm, um, why, why am I in this relationship or something that's been coming up deeply for me and all my Aquarian energy and my chart is, um, I've really isolated myself. Right. And I have, um, really not been wanting to dive into deep friendships, you know, one-to-one in person, like keeping everyone at an arm's distance by being, you know, in my online space and in my home and hermiting sometimes too hard. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are witnessing things like that coming up as well. Mm, Yeah, I think that's such a good uh, synopsis of some of the things that are going on. And just to backtrack a little bit, I wanted to maybe uh, tell people that this, you know, this exact conjunction of Chiron, which is an asteroid in the sky and the North Node, which is sort of our North Star that we're all learning about right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, you know, the North Node is a really karmic point. Yeah. Uh, and Chiron, I'd love to get into the mythology of that and sort of the, the meaning behind Chiron as well um, to help people understand a little bit more about like what that energy really means. But the exact conjunction is happening uh, February 19th, uh, at least mm-hmm. in Eastern Standard Time. And, but we've been feeling this like since the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to keep feeling it into like May because it's mm-hmm. so slow moving, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and one of the things that you uh, brought up there was this uh, element of like relationships, right? And like finding that balance and sort of, I think the exertion of free will versus maybe the the compromise that we sometimes have to um, have to be comfortable with in relationships, whether they are romantic, whether they are platonic, whether they are whatever, right? Even mm-hmm. family relationships. And I think there's a lot of people, because one of the things that really struck a chord with me that I'm seeing um, right now is this victimhood energy, which is really connected, I think, also to Saturn and Pisces, like mm-hmm. that low vibration. And Neptune, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. and Neptune <laughs> and Pisces, uh, this low vibration of like, self-sacrifice, victimhood, you know, it's everyone's fault except for mine because I've martyred myself Mm -hmm. and now I'm powerless. And I think that also comes up often with this Libra South node because there's with the Libra South node, it's like the shadow of that is giving up our sense of individuality and like our desires and our identities to be in peaceful relationships, to maintain the peace, to avoid conflict, to avoid confrontation. And out of that dynamic naturally emerges the victimhood dynamic because we then wake up and we're like, well, who the hell am I? (laughs) And why have I given all this up for you? You know? And then it's easy to say, well, it's your fault. <laughs> it's easy to point the fingers and play the victim because it's obviously a lot harder to wake up to the fact that like we had a role to play in this, in this self-abandonment um, and to do something about it, right? 
Mm-hmm. I love what you said there too, because I always call w- one of the archetypes I call the Libra energy at its low octave and the wounding of Libra. Uh, no matter how it's playing out, one layer is the good wife. It's like I, whenever I see it in the chart, I'm like, okay, we got this good wife energy going on here, right? You know, this energy where yeah, you're going to keep the peace. You're going to keep that boat, you know, from rocking too, too intensely. Make sure that everyone's good. Be that peacekeeper. And to be the peacekeeper is to violate your own boundaries a lot of the time, right? Because, you know, if you don't keep that peace, then what could happen, the disharmony that may happen in Libra, you know, anyone who has Libra placements will see disharmony in the world. This is just a part of being Libra is like, as much as you want to balance everything, you're going to see how out of balance everything is. Right. And so there is this continual want or desire to balance continuously. But if we really think about Libra, the scales are always moving, right? They de- they never stop. Um, even though the Libra energy wants so badly to get it right in the middle, make everything equal. Uh, but that's not, that's not life, right? It's life is polarity. Life is this um, ever ebbing flow of energy. And so when we put aside this need to make everything balanced and perfect and everybody happy, realizing that you know, when you do that, you have to forget the self. But when you forget yourself, you forget the polarity of the axis of Aries and Libra. And all of a sudden, now the chart is out of balance. You cannot exist in one sign or one house or it just, it doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting you brought up this idea of like balance as well, because that's something I've been thinking about lately. Um, you know, I I have my uh, Lilith, Juno and uh, Mercury retrograde in Libra and it's a big T-square in my chart so it's a, it's a constant like this whole good wife peacekeeping thing is definitely uh it's definitely a, a thing that I've struggled with in the past um but one of the things I've been thinking about lately is how you know we're all striving for more balance but balance doesn't mean that the scales are always equal Uh, Well, maybe that is the literal translation of balance, but I think what we're actually looking for is harmony. Like we're looking Mm -hmm. to find that to be in a state of equilibrium and equilibrium doesn't mean that the scales are even. It just means that we're continuously moving towards that even place. So we're finding the harmony. We're able to harmonize, right? Mm -hmm. To find when we're off center and to kind of move towards that. And then maybe we tip the other way too much, right? Maybe we're too independent where maybe we're too focused on the self. And then we realize, okay, we actually need relationships to thrive. Right. And that I think is a big element of kind of what's just been happening in general with our Aries Libra eclipses that we've been having since, you know, the fall um, of 2023. Uh, but also now that Chiron is meeting up with the North node, it's becoming more and more highlighted, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Chiron being that energy of, you know, the soul wound, this inner right now, collective wound of loss of identity, sense of self doubting who you are, you know, that, interruption of solidity and I am this and I'm firmly standing in this place and I'm going to initiate from here. And it's actually interesting when I'm thinking about, you know, themes that have come up over the last, I feel like it went into, or Chiron went into Aries in like 2018 or something like that. It was around there, but you know, how much people talk about now, um, 
chronic fatigue. And you know people are trying to get their energy back. People are trying to eat differently to get their energy back, which is also Taurus Uranus, which we'll yeah. get, we'll get to, but um, people are trying to find their energy again. Right. And, you know, Aries is vitality. It's, it's, it's the Mars energy. It is vital life force and our ability to exert our will. And with, you know, we just moved through, or it's still kind of happening as we're having this conversation, the Mars on Pluto, um, the, the conjunction of this energy, it is, you know, and it's a willpower struggle. And so is Chiron on the North Node is this willpower struggle, but it is collectively inviting us to find our power again, turn that inner warrior up again, you know, find something worth fighting for. You know, when I look at Libra and Aries, I'm always like, all right, Libra is that peaceful warrior, right? But it doesn't always get to be peaceful when you're a Libra uh, because there is a justice battle that needs to happen. And then, you know, Aries is fighting for something they truly believe in. It's like pick, picking our battles at this time, but knowing that there is something you're going to have to fight for. There's something you're going to have to stand for, stand up for, um, be, you know, a force. I'm even thinking about, you know, a force of energy and how it comes in and, you know, it can move things mm-hmm. and we have to be that force of energy somewhere in our life. Right. And looking to that little slice in your chart and saying, you know, for me, it's a seventh house and whole signs where my descendant is I'm like, that's my relationships and me having to be solid in who I am in relationships, but mm-hmm. also I can't be too selfish and I can't be too overly independent because that's when that imbalance happens. Right. So for everyone listening, where's that little piece in your chart that you know, are you leaning into being too righteous, too rigid, too, um, I'm just going to do this and I don't even care what's going on with anybody else. Or are you being in the good wife energy? Are you, uh, are you over-focused on how everybody's feeling? Are you considering everyone to the point where you're forgetting yourself? These are little questions we can ask ourselves right now. Yeah. And I see that so much with my clients right now. Like a lot of, because obviously I work with like 99% women um, (laughs) and, you know, traditionally women have been taught to be this good wife and Mm -hmm. to take care of everyone else's needs before their own. And as a result of that, I'm seeing a lot of stuff coming up now where, yeah, relationships are dissolving, they're ending, they're shifting, they're changing because women are choosing to, for once, honor their own needs and follow their own desires. Um, And at the same time, uh, because Chiron to me is this really primal like wound of like, and especially in Aries, it's like this rejection wound, this abandonment wound, like being rejected and abandoned for our nature, right? For Mm. our identity. Um, There's so much inner child stuff coming up for people right now. And like the primary relationships in their lives um, and some of the traumas and, you know, emotional needs that haven't been met uh, and how that actually has shaped, you know, their current relationships and relationship Mm -hmm. patterns. And that makes me think of the, you know, Chiron mythology of how, Chiron was actually, you know, he's he's Zeus's son, right? He was the son of Zeus. I feel like it's Zeus. Oh, goodness gracious. In one of his grandkids. For sure. Yeah, Yeah. I think you're right. And then Apollo raises him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think basically what happened, I know that Zeus transformed into a horse because basically that's what he did. He just like. (laughs) you know, have intercourse with all the nymphs. (laughs) Um, And then I think uh, what happened from there was uh, his mother was so disgusted that he was born a centaur. Centaurs were like these animalistic, wild creatures. Mm -hmm. Drunken, crazy. 
<laughs> exactly. She abandoned him. And then Apollo and Artemis raised him and taught him to be this like sophisticated teacher and healer. And he trained and healed so many people. I mean, he was the only centaur that wore clothes, I learned, right? Because mm. a lot of centaurs were shown, you know, kind of like drinking and partying and like engaging in like those like sins, you know, of like this, of like whatever they call it, like lustful sins, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically what happened is, you know, he had this deep emotional wound of being abandoned for who he was. And so he used that to fuel his accomplishment. But at the end of the day, he actually ended up being injured, I think, during kind of a commotion that had happened, because someone had opened some like wine and all these centaurs were like drawn into the cave (laughs) because of the wine scent. And an arrow was fired and it accidentally shot him and he couldn't heal his physical wound. And so the irony of that is really that it was his own kind, his own repressed nature, the nature that he repressed because he was rejected, that was his demise. And because he wasn't able to see that original wound as actually like a source of power and wisdom and, you know, unique kind of wisdom for himself um that that was that was the demise right and so i think for for me like when i think of chiron it is this like like you said it's a soul wound it's this primal wound and at the end of the day it does kind of draw us back into childhood because that's where a lot of these original wounds come up and they might be patterns from past lives that are repeated you know in our family dynamics yeah. in our upbringing But at the end of the day, it's like, there's this quote that I keep coming back to from Rumi as I'm actually finally putting together my Chiron masterclass. Uh, And it's don't look away from the bandaged place. That's Mm -hmm. where the light enters you. Yeah. So I feel like it's such a summary of why Chiron is so important in the chart and collectively right now. Yeah. And I love that because I didn't know the full quote from Rumi. I knew, you know, um, something along the lines of, you know, the light uh, or sorry, the wound is where the light enters you. So I didn't know there was like a, a front section to that. And that's also one of the analogies I use for Chiron as well, right? Is that that's, and, and many of the karmic placements I work with is that, that that is where the light enters you. And I think about those I think it's, I think it's Chinese. I can't remember if it's giant Chinese or Japanese, but the pottery where when a pot breaks, they put them back together with gold. And, you know, that is for me, that's a, a Chiron, a Plutonian Chiron representation of um, healing yourself. And it's not that the wound leaves, there's always a scar, but you know, to make that scar or that break uh, fuse together with gold is like to actually create this ornate decoration out of your lessons and your soul wounds as you heal them and make yourself even stronger because gold is so strong. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love thinking about that. And it makes that, that pottery makes me think about R- Rumi's mm-hmm. quote every time. Totally. That's such a great representation of it, like a visual. Um, and the other one I always think of is like Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Cause ah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, and it was so funny because actually I posted something about like the Cancer Chiron. I think I posted a reel about it on Instagram. And I had a friend who does sound healing, uh, comment on it and she uses a Chiron gong. Mm-hmm. 
I, I have been to a bath with a Chiron gong. It was crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> so it's funny because the exact words that she used, I hadn't even put these words in there yet, but the exact words she used were, oh, I use this Chiron gong and it feels like it, it, that's exactly what it does. It like the light, it like reaches in with the light. Wow. Right? <laughs> like, wow. It's crazy what frequencies can do. It's honestly, it's just the, right here is a representation of how the signs and the planets and the asteroids and all of these things are frequency speaking to us. Um, and that we can all get the same message confirms it for me, you know, and in science, it has to be provable. I'm like, well, if everyone's getting the same damn message, I think it's pretty provable at this time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. I love this. So let's lead that. Let's use that to lead us into eclipse season because we're still working with the same axis of energy. Chiron, you know, is getting further away at that time. Well, the North node is getting further away at that time, but um, I think this is a good lead into, we've already been dancing through these eclipses since last when did it move in? Was it July? July it was in July year? that they moved in, but then we didn't have our first eclipse till like October, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we've been working with this axis, you know, pretty intensely. And it's interesting because everyone felt it when we got the, when we had the node shift, I feel like everyone was like, holy shit, like this happened and this happened. I was like, okay, that's your eclipse themes. Right. And I always tell people to pay attention to what really activates either in an eclipse season of a North Node axis or what themes occur right when the shift happens. Because those are often the themes you're going to see over and over and over and over again until that nodal shift switches signs. Um, Right. Back to the last cycles, right? Sometimes it's hard to recall, obviously, unless you've kept it like a very detailed journal, but even just- Or it was super traumatic. (laughs) Or it was super traumatic, yeah. Um, But yeah, sometimes even in a broad sense, if you think like, oh, what happened in this year, right? Oh, 100%. Even when I was thinking, you know, when we shifted into Scorpio and Taurus, uh, I sat with that one, I think that was 2021. And I was, I went back to the years that it had happened. The first time I was like, oh, that was like the moment my life was absolutely ripped apart. I had one of my biggest dark nights of the soul. You know, yeah. it was actually the moment where everything just crumbled underneath me. And I had to sit with that. And it definitely happened again, but in mm-hmm. such a lighter way in the awareness I was moving through, right? You know, that was my marriage disintegrated. We moved into that stupid RV and moved back to Ontario, but then it all healed and it was all so potent and powerful and had to happen. Um, so the awareness shifted. So absolutely looking back at those moments, you might be like, Oh, that was a two year period or an 18 month period where my life absolutely disintegrated. Or it was actually a beautiful, it was one of my favorite times of my life. It was so good. Right. And so we can get little themes. I love that you pointed that out, uh, to grab what may have occurred might pop back up. Yeah, exactly. Because it's activating the same area of your chart, even though the rest of the sky isn't going to be the same. Mm-mm. It's, you know, similar themes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect lead in because we do have quite a potent eclipse season, I think. Uh, first one being the full moon eclipse uh, in Libra on March 25th. And then the second one is the new moon eclipse in Aries, um April 8th I believe so Mm -hmm. yeah endings and beginnings Mm -hmm. initiations right before the Jupiter Uranus conjunction in April so yeah I think the the first eclipse again 
full moon eclipses are always doors closing. Eclipses in general um, are, of course, like faded events that might happen. And I always tend to like, I think that a lot of people tend to think that they have to be external events, like, oh, something will happen to me. But that's not necessarily the case. Like, yes, certain things can change in your external reality, but sometimes it's just about like downloads that you also get and like shifts within your own psyche and your own consciousness and sort of waking up to maybe in this case, putting an end to certain relationship patterns, right? Talking about that good wife energy that we were talking about earlier. Um, the first full moon eclipse, like I said, is with the south node. And the south node is all about endings. Like it's the tail of the dragon. It's what we're leaving behind. It is, and in this case, when we're talking about the south node, it, it really is raising, you know, the energy to the highest vibration. And by doing that, we do have to transform some of those shadows. And so I think a lot of that collectively is like learning about our boundaries in relationships because I want to double check, but I believe the yeah, Venus is going to be conjunct the uh, Saturn in Pisces at this time. So mm-hmm. Venus being the ruler of the South Node in Libra, meeting up with Saturn in Pisces, which is teaching us all about like our um, our energetic boundaries, uh, what we take on that isn't ours, you know, uh, perhaps responsibilities that we take on for healing other people uh, mm-hmm. and how we can actually, you know, not to enter that victimhood martyrdom cycle we talked about earlier because we're taking on things that aren't ours or we're giving up things that are ours in order to take care of other people mm. or to heal for them. And then we're feeling like a martyr, feeling like a victim and feeling disempowered in that process. Yeah. So I think that that's a lot of the theme for, cause it's also happening, you know, right at the beginning of Aries season, we've just gone through Pisces season. There's been a lot of work around this whole, uh, all of these boundaries and lessons around ener- energy boundaries, right. With mm-hmm. the sun illuminating Saturn. So I think there's going to be some completions here. You know, there's going to be some, um, endings potentially, whether that is to relationship patterns or relationships, because we all know that if a relationship can't evolve in its patterns, where someone might have had to self-sacrifice, might have had to self-abandon, might have had to people please, um, then likely it is that the relationship went, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's just how it works. So yeah, that's what I'm kind of feeling for the first one. Anything that you want to add? Yeah, no, I love I love everything you're saying. Just peeking at the chart, there's so much going on in Pisces and Aries at that time. Yeah. Big big stelliums. Um, and it's it's exactly what you're saying in that you know lunar eclipses and south node eclipses are both closing portals. We're moving away from something, right? And so knowing that when a lunar eclipse happens, and then add to it that a it's on the south node, uh, that is when we're leaving something behind and we want to remember the mastery and the lessons of those things, right? So everything you said there was all the lessons we've learned about that Libra energy and what that has brought into our awareness, right? And how that is holding us back from basically everything we talked about up until this point of the Aries axis energy, uh, because that's where we're headed collectively, right? So everyone's going to have that section of their chart saying, Hey, we're going this way. Like, are you coming or not? Because you have free will, you have the 
vulnerability to choose to stay in your shit. And sometimes we we have to. Sometimes we're not ready to move through the cycle when the cycle invites us to. And you'll move through it in um, in your own way, right? And so in, in saying that, it's like you, you can go this way. You're going to go, you know, toward that North Node no matter what. But whether we intentionally move toward it with conscious awareness is why I love astrology so much because we can sit here and, and go, okay, if these are the lessons being presented, can I, can I watch for what is being offered to me? What is being shown to me? What, uh, what books end up in my hands? What people reach out to me, right? Saying, Hey, here's a new way of being right? Come this way with me. It's like a hand reaches out and is like, come this way. And there'll always be a hand coming from the past being like, like, trying to like, come, keep coming this way. Right. I know you're so comfortable here. We've been doing this for a hundred years. You just want to come back with me. And at that point, we kind of have to hit this mark where we're like, do I, do I go toward my highest potential, which is honestly, it's our authentic selves, or do I sit in my shit a little bit longer? And like I said, you can sit in your shit as long as you want. That's totally up to you. And no judgment if you decide not to grab that hand leading you to, you know, the next level. Um, But knowing that there will be um, opportunities. And with eclipses, shit just happens. It just ends. Sometimes you're like, no, I don't want it to. And it's just that's just the end eclipses are final yeah because it's like eclipses it's it's energy that we can't really control no it's it's more of a surrender to what is in front of you Uh, yes you can choose to be asleep to it and you know go about your life in the way that it's been but sometimes it's not even an option 100%. They're faded changes. They're wild cards. This is not energy. Uh, I suggest that we control. I did a whole episode on this, I think in 2021, that uh, maybe I'll link for everyone to to actually just just the energy of eclipses and how you know it's it's wild card energy um and when we're working with wild card energy, it's best not to have a plan, right? Because my yoga teacher used to say plans are priceless plans are pointless, right? So have a plan, but be ready to change it at any moment. And one of my wonderful students and mentees always says, um, what is the quote? Uh, We make plans and God laughs. So that is really one of these energies with eclipses where you're like, yeah, I had a plan. And the eclipse is like, "I I know you did, but this is over and this is starting. Exactly. And I think also just even noting, you know, that these eclipses are happening and they always happen around this time of year, but like these eclipses are happening, um, during that time of the the entry into spring, right? New astrological year. So it's really like this energy of like the end and the beginning and clearing that space for the new beginning, because I think the following eclipse on April 8th is it's got more of a obviously it's it's in Aries it's a new moon eclipse in Aries but then it's also got Mars meeting up with Saturn in Pisces so it's really like this dichotomy between like that Libran Venusian energy <laughs> with the end mm-hmm. um, and then the the initiation of yeah. Aries season of an Aries new moon plus that like drive and action and forward Mm -hmm. motion of Mars in and of itself right 
Yeah. And it's solar too, right? So it's with this, a a couple of the the energies we had last year was like a solar eclipse on the south node. So it was beginnings and endings all at once. And then we had, you know, a lunar eclipse on the north node. So it it gets a little muddled in how straightforward astrology is not. (laughs) And this one feels really it feels really potent as you're you're pointing this out, you know, that Libra Saturn energy to solar eclipse. So we're starting something um, in new moon. So we're starting something. Then we have Mars on Saturn. We're starting something. When I'm looking at this and like, don't quote me because this is just energy, but I feel like this is the start of spring. Yeah, I think so. For sure. Honestly, the, the, um, the spring equinox is definitely, it's going to be on the spring equinox. It is, but the energy <laughs> of that moon right after only a few days after the spring equinox versus this energy two weeks later, this feels more like an initiation. And I'm looking at the chart right now for this uh, solar eclipse. It is exact Chiron. Yeah, exact. Yeah. Like, and to the degree, it's to the degree, to the degree. Yeah. So in, in Mars and Saturn are only a, de- a degree apart. So, they are. Yeah. Um, and when I think of like, you know, Saturn and Mars both get a bad rep in astrology. Yeah. Um, and the malefics. I, <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. I kind of, I hate all of that about it, but because every planet has light and dark. Highs and lows, uh, man. <laughs> exactly. But when I think of Saturn, I do think of like boundaries, right? Oh, yeah. Of, and, and I and I kind of think about that with Mars too, because it's that solar plexus energy. Like it's, ah. it's it is boundaries. It's like about uh, that willpower, that drive, right? Like nettle energy, like the nettle, mm. the plant, right? It's all about boundaries. But Hi. in Pisces, you know, first of all, Mars does struggle a little bit in Pisces. It does. It's, it's drowning, right? Yeah. And so is Saturn. Both of them it, it, are not Saturn happy too. there. And yeah. we, for everyone listening, uh, we did an episode last year on Saturn and Pisces that I highly suggest you guys listen to if you're interested in, you know, how we're muddling through this energy, because I think this would be a potent time around this solar eclipse, April 8th, um, even just getting back into that energy, even right now to understand, you know, how we're, we're making it through this cycle will be really potent. Uh, but yeah, go back to the Mars energy here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess I was just uh, saying that even though we, we have this like big initiation, we have this fire energy, like it, it might not be effortless. Yeah. It might not yeah. come super <laughs> easily because, the the ruling planet of the eclipse is is in a sign where it you know it can't function that well so right. it really will have us you know putting in some effort to kind of create a new start with the things that have ended the patterns that have ended and and really stand in like our authenticity and our integrity in our independence right mm-hmm. like all of that aries energy we might really have to put up some strong boundaries and we might struggle with that because with Mars and Saturn and Pisces, like there is this energy of like empathy and wanting to, you know, help others as well and, and feeling, um, you know, being able to feel what they're going through. But at the same time, I do think that this initiation energy is on our side. It just, it might not come super effortlessly, I guess is what I'm saying. I like that because, you know, this, Pisces Saturn energy has been squaring my Mars for the last year Mm. on and off and it's just finishing but it has felt like 
I've been drowning. Like it has felt like I've had no energy. This is the first time in my life since I was, you know, a teenager where I'm sleeping in in the mornings. Like I, I'm always a, even when I was a teenager, honestly, I was a person that got up two hours before I went to school so I could have this time to myself, get ready, take my time, the whole thing. And late the last year, I've been struggling to get up with my alarm. Like I've been sleeping till 8.30. This is not like me. Um, I've been, you know, quote unquote, drowning in the heaviness of what it feels like to have Saturn partying with my Mars, right? So for everyone listening, like this is how it feels to have Saturn and Mars together is this willpower struggle uh, where you're trying to gain momentum, but Saturn is sort of bogging you down. Now he has a job. He's doing it for a reason. But when we're in it, it doesn't feel like that. You know, unconsciously, sorry, consciously, you're like, okay, I'm forming new boundaries. I'm becoming disciplined. I'm learning how to restructure my life. I'm learning what's important. I'm learning, you know, discipline and responsibility. But as humans, that's not the easiest thing in the world to be like, oh, I have absolutely no drive and ambition or ability to use my vital life force right now because it's being soaked in sopping wet, heavy ass Saturn energy, right? (laughs) And that's something we could be feeling, right? We feel this initiation energy. The new moon is like, this new moon solar eclipse is like, let's do this. Let's start something. And then Saturn's like, but I'm a heavy ass rag on top of you (laughs) that you need to wring out. And I know you're so tired. You can't even wring the damn rag out. Yeah, exactly. Great analogy. I love it. Um, Yeah, Saturn's been on my moon. So it's been really fun. (laughs) I've I've lived that life um, in 2021. It was, it was rough. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It uh it feels like again it's it's starting to move away from there now but it's going to hit my IC soon so just <laughs> right around the side, my IC is actually at like 17 degrees uh Pisces. So yeah. this is 14 yeah. degrees so yeah. As you pointed <laughs> out it'll be opposing my Mercury and Venus. So I've already <laughs> been feeling that you know as it's getting off my Mars it's like okay I already There's feel you something. moving. Always something that's a good reminder for everyone is you know, we get through these through these moments and some of them are long, some of them are short. Mm-hmm. But one, I always say nothing is permanent. Two, like these moments, you think you're through them and then there's something else. And that isn't to scare anyone. It's just to say your chart is constantly evolving mm-hmm. and there's new lessons. And when we can know what's happening and I don't mean this like study your chart every single day and know exactly what's going on I mean when we can know the energetic themes of what we're moving through we can work more easily with the ebbs and flows of our life right knowing that Saturn is going to party with my Mercury and my Saturn I'm going to be much more aware of my speaking Mm -hmm. my communication I'm going to be much more aware that I might go into writer's block it's totally possible, right? I'm going to be much more aware that I might be more volatile in my relationships. So I'm going to be much more conscious about how I communicate and show up for Josh, knowing that Saturn is going to be challenging my Venus, right? And so for you, same thing, right? Where you know it's going to be on your IC, you're going to be much more heightened and aware around home stuff and around probably around not being too hermity, but also taking your time to hermit, right? And all these things exactly yeah Yeah. totally um yeah and I mean like you said there's there's so many different seasons and they're all there's light and shadow in both and so you 
being a little bit more aware of of it can just help you prepare yourself and not be too hard on yourself in that process. Absolutely. Agreed. 100%. So I feel like it's a good time to move on to our um, Jupiter Uranus conjunction because that's happening in April mm-hmm. uh, and it follows, you know, all of the Aries season energy follows the eclipses. And even though, like we said, there's this initiation happening with the April 8th eclipse, although it might feel a little bit boggy, but we're still kind of <laughs> able to maybe see those little seeds start to get planted in some way like there's some kind of initiation mm-hmm. and then Taurus season and Taurus energy is all about like nurturing you know get, gaining stability in those although stability is a tricky word to use here because we have Uranus involved so literally yeah uh, as, as I look at the chart oh my gosh like even the day it moves in and the day it's exact is you know the sun at one degree Taurus so we're just stepping yeah. in our foot is in we're like yay let's build some stability no <laughs> none for you um so yeah. I love you know I've been looking at this one I've been excited about this one I was listening to a really great podcast on I think it was the astrology podcast talking about this conjunction last year I was super excited about it um and it was talking about, uh, and it's so funny because Josh today started talking about this, not knowing that, that what I'm going to share with you guys had any interrelation to this conjunction. The last time that Uranus conjunct Jupiter was when the 40-hour work week was actually instituted by Henry Ford. Yeah. And so I didn't know it was Henry Ford until this morning where Josh goes, did you know that Henry Ford introduced the 40 hour work week and got rid of people having to work basically till they died for money and there was no um, labor rights and there was no protection of the laborer until this happened when Uranus was conjunct Jupiter in Taurus in like the 40s or something like that. Um, so I think that's a really cool example and a lead in around Taurus and money and work and um, leisure, leisure time, sporting our bodies, not working ourselves to the freaking bone, which is a absolute low octave of Taurus is I'll work so damn hard to have the money to have the things. Uh, but I, I wanted to lead in with that because it was such a cool um, energy and all these people have been talking about this unaware that this is about to happen I've seen it all over threads all over Instagram where I'm like why is this coming up uh, interesting right so I've been seeing people talk a lot more about you know four-hour work days and more about you know how in Europe there is siesta and they don't work as long and the four-hour work week and all these things are coming up so I'm like what's happening <laughs> I mean, it makes so much sense because I think even in my own kind of circles and my own life and um, friendships, clients, all these things, I think there's been been so much uncovering, you know, even with the last eclipses in Mm -hmm. Taurus and and Scorpio, and then with Uranus being in Taurus, uh, I forget when it entered that sign, but it's been there for- I think it was 2018. Yeah. Okay. That sounds around there. Yeah. Yeah. So even since, you know, as uh, Uranus has been moving through Taurus, there's just been so much of like waking up to our values. Like what do we truly value? And do we want to live a life where we're just like working to live or do we, Mm -hmm. or like, or so is, did I say that the right way? Live to live to work. Live or, to work or, or versus work to live, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to live a life where we're living to work. Or do we Absolutely. want to work 
to live. And I think that that's kind of the thing that's coming up right now is people are realizing like, maybe I don't need a six bedroom house, (laughs) you know, maybe I don't don't even need a two bedroom house. Maybe I want to live in a tiny home in the forest. Like, Mm -hmm. like what actually matters to me and how do I live more in alignment with that? So I think that that's kind of what's getting blown up with this conjunction, which, by the way, is happening on April 21st, right? Uh, 20th. 20th. April 20th. Uh, yeah, around 7.15, 7.25 p.m., 10.25 p.m. Eastern, 7.25, yeah. 25 Pacific. I know it was, uh, I think I... Uh, I keep getting confused with the degrees because the degree is the 22nd degree of Taurus. 21st. Also- 21st. You got it. You th- oh, is it 21st? Okay. 21st. Yeah. But yeah. still you nailed it. And I think you're spot on because that's what's been happening since this energy of Uranus and Taurus has been partying is waking up to our values. Um, even as much as I freaking hated it the last, you know, four years when everybody went, started working from home, that did an awakening of, oh, maybe I don't need to be in an office. Um, maybe I don't need to have anyone governing me being like, are you at your desk? Are you at your desk? Right. All those things started to shake up. Um, the farmers protests, revolutions, the absolute, and it has been ramping up over the last couple of months, right? We literally have countries in Europe spraying shit on parliament, literal manure. And I love it so much, right? France, Germany. I was reading an article about this history because they're like basically looking at implementing all these atrocious taxes on like tractors and like all of these things. And they've taken away their, um, oh my God, what's it called? Uh, Their fertilizer. They've rationed their fertilizers down so much that these farmers basically can't grow food and how do you expect to live without food i mean literally a whole other thing we can get into here (laughs) that's a whole podcast (laughs) it really is because i also saw something about how controlling the food supply is not the first time uh these Uh measures have been taken no basically to um i think it was in the 1800s how uh the u.s government actually like hired people to kill wild buffalo so that the Uh, indigenous people could not sustainably live the way that they were living before and they would have mm -hmm. to move onto the reserves so anyway we'll leave it at that but Uh uh there's some other things in there too of england um in one of the famines where there was enough food and the nobility did i can't remember what it was we'll have to do a whole episode on this maybe um but the nobility did something to basically starve out the the lower class um, in in one of the famines as well. I can't remember if it was the Irish potato famine or something like that, where there was enough food. Um, And something happened where, again, food control happened. So I would be interested to see even what what the chart was doing at that time. Because these are things that are happening, right? Our resources, our... Mm -hmm. Um, and what it's doing now, it's like when you look out and you're like, that is really insane. What's happening? Oh my God, everything's dying. Um, the world is exploding. But what it's doing is awakening people to, I want to grow my own food. We need to get back to sustainable farming. We need to get back to localized food growing as much as possible. Obviously, we still need importing fruits and things like that. And um, it's also waking people up to what's in my food, what's in my bath and body products, what's in my makeup, yeah. what's in, what am I putting on my skin, right? We've seen such a huge rise in people yeah. 
being hyper aware of what is going on and in their bodies, Taurus, and the revolution to change this. But we're also seeing, you know, commercialized massive conglomerates greenwashing things to say this is safe and this is green. And oh, if it's gluten friendly, then it must be good for you. Um, and that is another take on the low octave of this energy, right? Um, and it's fascinating to watch it all. So we have, you know, our values, literally all our values. What am I letting into my body? How do I want to work? How is my time um, valued? How do I value my own taking care of my body, my time, my life? How do I want to live? Literally here in Kelowna, it's wild. Or just in the Okanagan, we watch these houses going up, these like 3,000 square foot houses that no one can freaking afford. And a couple, two people live in these houses with, like you said, six bedrooms. And Josh and I are sitting here like, why? What are you all doing? What happened to having land? What happened to having place to grow a garden? None of these places have backyards. None of these places have anywhere you can move or walk or breathe. A small balcony. Some of them have big balconies, but what are you going to do with that, right? There's no green space. And that is part of this as well. And I think like for some people, they don't need that, right? Yeah. Maybe, or they don't think they need that. They don't think they need it. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like you do you. But for me, what's becoming more and more evident personally uh, is like I I want to be self-sufficient. And I think that's yeah. this other energy of Taurus is like self-sufficiency, right? Mm-hmm being able to rely on yourself. Now, there is a big piece here, I think, coming through around community as well, because we've got Uranus involved, you know, we've got Pluto in Aquarius, which is the sign that is associated with Uranus, um, that Uranus rules. And I think there's a, there's an element here of like, yes, returning back to the earth, right? Returning back into a more balanced relationship with our bodies, with our resources, and speaking of that, time is a resource. Yeah, right? it is. We're mentioning what do I want to do with my time? You know, do I want to be at the office? Do I want to be at home? Do I want to work 40 hours a week? Mm-hmm. Time is a very valuable resource. But at the end of the day, it's also knowing like, I think there's this focus on, yes, yeah, self sufficiency and like stability and like our physical security. And the fact that that comes from being connected to the earth and in relationship to the earth, like Taurus energy is like Gaia, like it's, it is the earth. Um, But it's also being supported in aligned community Uh, and knowing that like, yes, you can be self-resourced, you can be self-sufficient, but it also comes from like a more, I've been talking a lot with people around hierarchy versus heterarchy and mm-hmm. hierarchy is you know when there's one person at the top that makes all the decisions heterarchy is a network of people and communities that all mutually you know have the same amount of power and are valued for their in for their own gifts and for their own talent and for their own resources right and the power is distributed and that's very much this aquarius energy and this pluto and aquarius energy in general So yeah, there's so much to unpack there, I feel like. And Jupiter obviously making everything just even bigger. Mm -hmm. And it's going to bring, you know, this Jupiter energy, it's going to bring, I I love Jupiter because everyone's like, Jupiter's so positive. And it is, absolutely. But Jupiter also expands anything it touches, right? So that sometimes doesn't mean good things happen. I just want to point that out. It is going to bring optimism. It's going to bring faith. It's going to bring, you know, the desire to shift things and the faith and the belief that we can shift things and that the revolution is 
uh, possible. It's going to bring possibility, but it will also bring overindulgence. It will also bring fanatical people, right? Jupiter brings fanatics. It brings um, overzealous energies to believing anything can be done. And sometimes that's not for the greatest. So it can bring overzealous revolutionary energies where someone is just, or a group goes, we're doing this and we don't care about how it impacts X, Y, Z, because it's for the betterment of whatever it is that's being presented. So there is an energy of riskiness uh, and it, it can miss the consideration point of others, which is sort of like the low octave of Aquarius too, right? Is to, I, we all just need to think the same, dress the same, do, th- do everything the same, fit into this little box because it's for the better. We're all in this together, quote unquote, right? Um, versus you do your unique thing. I'll do my unique thing. Let's meet in the middle and not, you know, smash each other's heads to a wall and really respect each other. Jupiter energy is, is, it can bring, um, just this, this volcano of um, yeah. too muchness sometimes. So yeah. there is going to be high octave, low octave. I think we'll see more explosive energies coming out of people. I think we'll see um, explosive events. And I don't mean that like literal explosive. I mean, um, shocking, right? Uranus is shocking. Jupiter expands that shockingness where it's going to be things where you're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Oh my gosh, that's surprising. Or that was building and the volcano just erupted. Um, and, and on the high octave, there'll be downloads, insights, so much knowledge coming through. Uh, I feel like these are the moments where metaphorically, if we could see ideas in the air, right? Um, ideas, knowledge, like if we're in this network of Akasha and information, and uh, it could be a time where you can just reach out and grab that stuff, right? New ideas just like, drop into your your psyche. Exactly. And I think uh, those ideas might really help us deal with our resources in a more responsible way, right? Yeah, I think uh, so in too. In a sustainable way, uh, because yeah. we're talking about Taurus here. We're talking about agriculture, food, financial system. You know, we didn't even get there, but obviously yeah. finances are another Money. thing that that's going to be changing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, all of these things, I think, will be subject to some kind of change, unpredictable mm-hmm. change, likely. Mm-hmm. But it's not all good. And it's not all bad. There's some fix there. Right. And it's about I think with Uranus, it's always like it's divine will. So mm-hmm. there is there's no controlling that, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> I always say expect the unexpected when Uranus is at play. Um, so don't think you know anything. <laughs> we can, we can, like I said, we can touch themes and say, you know, it's going to be money. It's going to be food. It's going to be body. It's going to be sustainability. It's going to be the earth. Um, but how that's going to play out, especially when it's Uranus, do not think that you are going to know left from right until it happens. It's going to be like, oh, that's what it is. Cool. It could be one or it could be all of those things. Absolutely. Especially, you know, if it's touching uh, specifically a personal planet in your own chart too. Yes. You know, then that's going to have a whole other personal layer to it. Yes. So, you know, any fixed signs around 21 degrees. So Taurus, Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo will obviously have a little bit more tense aspects mm-hmm, to this energy. Mm-hmm. And maybe any other earth signs around 21 degrees, which actually I just remembered my sun is at 21 degrees. Mm, I just, a bit more of a harmonious 22? energy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's going to be trying both our suns because our suns are having a party together. So yeah, and, and that, that's where the complexity of, you know, working with an astrologer or studying astrology comes into play exactly. uh, because 
it gets complex from there, but knowing, you know, the collective shifts, I think it'll be exciting. I think it will be exciting is a good word, good or bad. Uh, and I think it will, I don't even think it will be expansive. It will be a shift. It will be a moment where something happens to radically change the future. Exactly. That's and just at the end of the day, like no matter if whatever, like whatever events happen, they might be challenging in the moment and they might be unstable in the moment. Uh, but again, like you said, it's just a moment. And even though this moment might be one that ripples out for some time, uh, at the end of the day, what it's doing is it's creating growth, expansion. It's giving yeah. us faith, hope uh, for a more sustainable future. And it's also liberating us. Like it's, it's liberating us. That's what it's doing. So yeah. The other thing that I just noticed in the chart too, is I believe Mars and Neptune are conjunct in Pisces, making a harmonious aspect to this. Mm, Yeah. It's like, it's a slow conjunction coming together there. Yeah. And the the part of fortune is at 24 degrees that day, uh, conjunct Mars as well. So um, possibility, right? There's possibility for good things to happen when we connect to the greater vision. Exactly. When there's this lens of like, uh, like unconditional love and, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that we're all connected. Also. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do, they, do you have anything else you want to add on that one? I don't think so. Okay. You know what? I think, you know what? I actually feel like I do. I do. Uh, One of the things I wanted to add that I did already kind of mention is this element of, you know, community and being self-resourced and all these things. So I guess the one question I kind of wanted to pose for both of us to maybe talk about just briefly before we finish off the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction is, you know, how can people given that you can't really compare, you can't really prepare for Uranus, but how Mm -hmm. can you maybe think about putting some preparations in place. And I don't want to sound like a doomsday person here, but I do think it's important to, to be connecting actively with people uh, that you are like-minded with, like getting your community together, like feeling like you have um, places to kind of fall back on and people to fall back on people that get you and people that understand and have the same values as you, right. Where you're aligned in your value system. So I think it's important to be, to feel held in community at this time. Um, and I also think it's important to, yeah, think about how can you maybe grow some more food this year or be a little bit more efficient with your resources, with your time, with your money, take better care of your body than you maybe you normally do. Right. So just these types of things I think are important to focus on right now. Yeah. And as you're saying that, it makes me think of something that comes up for me a lot. And I feel like this will resonate with most people listening is, you know, how isolated we've all become. And in our isolation, we feel like at least I feel, let me shift this. I feel like I don't quote unquote need anyone. All right. This is an energy I've been working with. I'll do it all myself. I got this. But at the end of the day, I'm completely reliable on my grocery store, my, um, whatever I need 
to survive. You know, it's outside of me. To I have to go to a grocery store to get food. I have to go do all these things to get what I need, right? I have to go to Amazon to get the books that I'm obsessed with getting and my giant Amazon wish list of astrology books. And um, so what I'm thinking about is the disconnect of relying on each other, you know, it used to be, you know, you would get bread from Brianna down the road and exactly. you would get your eggs from Susan over here. Uh, and then not to say that we need to shift completely to, you need to have a hundred places where you get all your food from, but um, is there some sort of way where we can come back into connection where we're sharing, we're bartering, we're, exactly. uh, yeah, we're, we're in community in some different way where, um, sure, you, we're always going to need our grocery stores at this point in society. That's what we've created and that's fine. Um, but is there something else that can expand us in that, you know, you connect with a local farmer and that's where you get your freezer full of meat or, you know, in, in my husband's case, his mom is, Taurus out the wazoo and just she doesn't even I think she's a Taurus rising we don't know her birth time she's got there's something because she is the homestead queen that has you know her pantry her whole basement is all canned goods and four freezers they all have different animals in them and I'm not talking small freezers I'm talking like 12 foot long freezers yes of you know one's beef one's chicken one's pork and she has her her pigs and her this and um so not saying that, we need is to go, that, that is the energy, right? So I'm not saying we need to go full homestead here, but um, can we be in more connection where our communities are supporting us? Even a, another example is I love trades. Okay. Like you and I have traded yeah. chart readings a million times. Um, I need, I'm having a breakdown. You're like, let's trade. And I'm like, yes, because that feels so expansive. I have a friend here that uh, makes organic natural toothpaste. She's my jam. Her name's Gaia Smiles. Anyone who needs good toothpaste, shout out to Gaia Smiles. Um, but she every year is like, I need a chart reading. And I'm like, I need toothpaste. So we do a trade exactly. where, right, I get toothpaste and tooth toothbrushes and like all my organic stuff. And then she gets a, a check-in. And yeah. this is something where we're not uh, giving all of our resources and money away to the corporations that aren't supporting us as much as we could be. And back to friends, community, uh, even like working with, you know, when we need someone to check in on our bodies, are we going to someone where that money is going into their pocket? Are we going to the, the hospital, the corporations that actually aren't supporting us at all? This is something that's coming through. Totally. It's like creating that direct connection to where you're getting your services, your products. And of course, like you said, you can't get everything that way. Yeah. But I think if there's certain things that you can, it's such a powerful way to kind of create more of an authentic connection to the land, the resources yeah. and the people yes. that have created those resources for you, whether it is a product, a food, a service, right? Like yeah. I'm getting, for example, I'm, I'm doing like a trade for acupuncture soon, right? Like I'm doing Reiki and I'm yeah. getting acupuncture and I love it. stuff like that. It's amazing. It's perfect. And I'm even thinking about, you know, um, your teas are something yeah. I invest in because A, I know what is in them. I know who's making them. I would rather give you money than anyone else in the world. I hire you to make custom teas for my clients, uh, for my husband, for me. And now I have an energy going into my product. It's not even a product at that point to me. It's life force, you know, where I can say, <laughs> 
Hey, Vanya, like I'm a mess right now. Can you make me a tea that will put me to sleep because I'm not sleeping through the night? Or, hey, uh, I have this client going through this experience right now. Can you look at her chart and her transits? And I just did this for everyone listening where I was like, my, my dear soul client needs this support. Can you craft something, right? Crafting and experience out of something so potent and that connection between you and I and then to that client and the ripple out that happens versus the experience of me going, oh, I'll just go buy some tea from the grocery store yeah. and there's no energetics put into that tea at all. I feel like that's something that could really shift in this as well. Totally. Yeah. I feel you there. And I so appreciate all of your support. And I get so excited whenever you're like, oh, I have this thing. And then I get to kind of put it together. And yeah, right. Like you got to make our wild woman teas for our retreats, which is one of my favorite teas I've ever had. It might be my favorite tea. And it's so good, right? And the girls freaking go nuts for it. Last time we actually had it just at the retreat to sip on all the time. We made cold ones, we made warm ones. um, And it's it's crafted with the energy in mind versus just being, you know, I just went out and bought some friggin' tea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the energy that goes into it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that's a big piece, I think, of this Uranus, Taurus, Jupiter, um, but also the Pluto Aquarius frequency as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a great way to end off the Jupiter Uranus conjunction. Of mm-hmm. course, we could talk mm-hmm. about it forever, but. Oh my God. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And there are so many good episodes that are actually just fully focused on that. You know, that one I listened to on the astrology podcast, if anyone wants to go listen, I think it was like three hours long. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, It was extensive, Uh, but it was just so many good nuggets. I think it was three or four or five astrologers talking in there. So there are so many things. If anyone wants to go and listen to a full, you know, three hour conversation on this energy, they're out there. Um, or, you know, just, just look at your chart, see what, uh, what house is ruling Taurus in your chart. What is that house? And, um, that's a really good way to start looking at, okay, what is this going to do for me? It's just what house is ruling Taurus in your chart. And that might be an area where you might feel everything we just talked about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll link all of these things in the show notes too. So that yeah, for sure. Can find the, for sure. The previous episodes that we've done and some of yours and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that astrology podcast podcast one as well. I think. Yeah. Uh, um, so you're or Jupiter and Gemini. Is that where we're going next? Sure. Yeah. Do you want to go there? Was there anything in, in between there you wanted to hit on? No, I don't think so. Cause that's, pre- that's pretty much the next thing. Yeah, it is up. May. It's happening in May. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where we get to. Cause I think we might be. Oh, we're, we're, we're blasting their ears at this yeah. point. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll end here. I'm just thinking, is there one more? I think this was like the last energy I really wanted to talk about other than Pluto shifting back into Capricorn, but maybe we'll just like do that another time. Um, but this energy, I'm excited because it's funny because this year everyone was like, oh my God, this looks like a really intense year. And I was like, I don't know. It doesn't feel intense to me. It feels okay. And in saying that, no, as you're listening, that that's me saying this in a moment of a death period in my life, an absolute death period. You know, Pluto's going onto my IC, opposing my midheaven. I'm I'm going into a cave of death. And that's okay. Um, but <laughs> hey, I even, had a very opposite feeling with 2024. Okay. 
Not that I, not that I thought like, oh, it's going to be intense, but I thought like, this is the year where some big things are shifting. Hey, okay. So fascinating. And it, it hundred percent is right. It hundred (laughs) percent is. And I just, maybe I was just in this moment where I was like, fuck it. Fuck it, fuck it all. I'm just I'm going to bed. Um, so I, I don't I, I feel excited about Jupiter going into Gemini. And I'm saying that after Jupiter squaring all of my Leo placements and my Aquarius placements, and then my, you know, um, it's gonna square almost all of our Plutos that have Pluto and, and Scorpio at some point. Uh, so you know, all my fixed placements, which if any of you guys know me, I have a lot of fixed placements. Uh, Jupiter has been just square, square party, right? It's just a freaking yeah. square party. Uh, but as it shifts into Gemini, I'm going to have another square party because I also have all the mutable placements. So do you. So, uh, but I feel excited about Jupiter and Gemini. It feels okay. What I'm getting is like, it's going to be lighter, obviously, because, you know, Jupiter and Taurus is more dense. It's it, even yeah. though it's Jupiter, it's dense, it's firm, it's stable. It's uh, sometimes it feels immovable. Mm-hmm. And as it moves into Gemini, it's kind of, we're getting that air back, we're getting movement back, right? And so I feel when I'm sitting with it, I think what I'm excited about is movement and um, a little bit more play coming back into our lives because we haven't really had much Gemini energy since the nodes were in Gemini and Sagittarius in 2020 and right. And then, you know, other than Gemini season, we haven't had a lot of Gemini energy happening. Mm -hmm. And even though Aries, we've had so much Aries energy happening and it is a playful energy sometimes. Okay. But we've had Chiron with it. Yeah. Which is just <laughs> not making it super playful. Not playful, right? <laughs> if you took Chiron out of the Aries energy we've been working with, I think it would feel a lot different. And we'd be much more excited and in a state of play with the North Node, with, you know, whatever's going on in there. Mm-hmm. But with the Gemini energy, because there's, you know, nothing going on in there, other than, you know, the inner planets, which move fast. And uh, I feel like it's just going to bring a breath of fresh air, <laughs> maybe a little bit of nervous tension. A little bit. I think that, some, right? some, some anxieties. Maybe. Some anxieties. <laughs> some, a little bit of our minds moving too quickly. Uh, but I do feel like a lightness is coming with, with that particular transit, inviting us to, um, it's kind of like, with Gemini, it's the cosmic joker. He's coming along and in Jupiter particularly, this jovial Zeus force comes along and is like, why so serious? I literally watched The Dark Knight last night with the Joker. So this is perfect. Um, yeah. why, why so serious? Why have we been so freaking serious? That's what I'm, that's what my message is coming in when I'm dropping into this energy. So yeah, I love that because I feel like there's um, there's a curiosity there, right? Like when I think of Gemini, it is this element of um, it's this mutable mutable air, right? It's very changeable. It's really curious. It's open minded. It can see things from both sides. Uh, there is that yeah, there is that mind energy there. So we could potentially maybe be in our heads a little bit more than in our bodies that we, where we have been with the Taurus Jupiter. But I do think that there's like expansion, new ways of thinking, maybe 
maybe that'll actually help us reprogram some limiting limiting beliefs and things like that, right? Have a newfound sense of faith in some way. Um, yeah, there's sort of an openness to that energy. But I did also want to point out not to be a downer, but I mean, I'll be a downer. It will, it's okay. <laughs> it will uh, square Saturn and Pisces. True. Throughout the year. And as you're saying that, I'm like, okay, the propaganda machine is going to pump up. Okay, even more the propaganda machine. The propaganda oh, yeah. machine is going to yeah, be exactly. like, oh, here we go. Media misinformation, disinformation. Oh, that'll be a whole thing. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I think the media and like the, just like social media in general is going to feel it. Mm-hmm. I probably feel some like restrictions and rules around that misinformation, uh, that kind of stuff. Like, I think that's going to like crack down in some Mm. way uh, where we might be seeing, you know, the world of social media, media in general evolving. Which we're already, you know, starting to see, uh, at least here in Canada, particularly the level of restrictions being put in. Now, maybe that will be a moment where, um, something is liberated, right? Where Jupiter comes along and is like, what, what are you guys doing? Yeah. What What is happening over here? What the communism is going on over here? And that might, um, you know, maybe it'll help us sort it out. Maybe it'll just get stricter, tighter, right? Uh, when the word misinformation really ramped up was when the North Node and the South Node were in Sagittarius Gemini. And so I think we'll see similar things. I think you nailed it with social media. It might uh, but it might also bring in, you know, high octave, more opportunities in social media. Maybe as, you know, we are fine tuning this Jupiter, Taurus, how are we going to do work thing, uh, social media, technology, Gemini things, uh, offers a new opportunity of yeah. there's something new we can use this for in a higher level of our benevolent level to shift our way of working online. Um, It's interesting as we're sitting with this, I'm like, will more people start working from home? Will more people um, be working? It's, it's interesting as I'm, I'm looking at this because all of a sudden Gemini technology comes flooding in with Pluto and Aquarius information, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Expansion of like the information that we have access to as well. Um, I also think, you know, on your, uh, to your point earlier about this energy being, uh, you know, more freeing and more playful and all of these things, there is an element there also of the fact that, uh, when Jupiter enters Gemini, it will trine. Uh, Pluto in Aquarius. So that is more of a harmonious energy. Yeah, I was just looking at that. So there is that element of like liberation. Yeah, yeah, there could be. I mean, every time I see a trine, yeah, support for it, right? There's like a flood of, if you want this, like there, there is um, support here for the revolution. There is um, support for us to go into the underbelly and see what has been misaligned and change it right there's hope there's faith and and when it goes in there it'll be conjunct venus and the sun so there is um i love the venus and jupiter together on the sun there is uh, a lot of hope in that energy though there is still density in the chart in other places we've still got we've got mars conjunct chiron that day um and other little things, but there is support for change or support for uh, the belief in change. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, the energy. 
And I mean, you, you just mentioned a few placements, you know, both fire, air, like there's movement, right? There's movement. There's so much movement. Yeah. 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 As a, when we look at this chart, we've had density for a long time in the chart uh, for years, honestly. And so now we have, you know, Pluto in a movement sign, this mm-hmm. stellium in Aries moving. We've got the placements in, you know, we've got the, the South node in uh, Libra moving, um, the stuff in Pisces moving, Gemini moving, there is movement in the chart. Yeah. So that obviously will bring, I think, hope as well, right? Yeah. Hope, yeah. faith, and like maybe a new perception of how things can be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When, specifically yeah. when it comes to like information, data, technology, the ways that we communicate, right? Friendships even, as we talked about community earlier, community is going to come back into, yeah, community is coming through strong this year. That's interesting because it was one of my words at the start of the year was community. Um, Socializing, connecting, how we connect, uh, that is going to come into the forefront really big, I think. And as, you know, Jupiter moves into Gemini, Pluto will just have retrograde, started its retrograde backwards. So there could be friendship stuff coming up again where you're like, oh no, I'm reevaluating my friendships once again, or I'm reevaluating everything I just thought I learned with that Jupiter Uranus conjunction. It, it's a very interesting energy. Totally. Yeah. And it, it's interesting you say, you know, the community was one of your words because I feel like all of Aquarius season, even though I haven't had the energy to be like creative, I've been putting so much effort into like my relationships. Mm. I've been like actually making plans with people I don't see often. I've been catching up with friends that like live halfway across the world. Like, you know, like all of that kind of stuff is coming forefront. Like that I seem to have energy for, but I don't have energy to really like create things, which Mm. is interesting, right? That is interesting. And it's okay. It's, yeah. it's okay it's at the same time. Energy. Yeah, right? It's like you're just listening to what that's bringing up for you. And that's a potent thing to follow, especially as manifestors. It's like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. I mean, now that we've also mentioned Pluto and Aquarius, do you think uh, we want to get into that? Or maybe like we do also have existing episodes. I know that you have a few. I did one last year when it first entered Aquarius. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of information in there already. Um, yeah. To, like to, for people to to kind of check out. So, yeah, I feel like going back to those episodes. You know, yeah, you have one. I have two. Um, and we can link. We have so many links, guys. You have so much homework. To go to. <laughs> so um, homework. But the biggest <laughs> thing very I think Virgo of us. So. It's yeah. We get, you got two Virgos here being like, here's your homework, everyone. Uh, <laughs> but the only thing you know, I really wanted to touch on with this is the garbage pop astrology. Oh my God. It's oh. the last time you'll ever see Pluto and Capricorn. Sorry guys. Yes, please. I do, I do really to get, to get this straight. Yeah. yeah. Like snooty Vika comes out and she's like, can we just get it right? The Virgo comes out and she's like, get it right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, the, we have Pluto retrograding back into Capricorn. It's going to go back to 29 degrees. So it's important not only for everyone to know that there is a collective ride back through this final degree of Capricorn, the U.S. election happens while that's occurring. I feel like that was divinely timed. Um, there's so many things happening 
when it goes back to 29 degrees Capricorn that I feel like everyone needs to know that because if everyone's kind of sitting there being like, oh, we're in an Aquarius, we're missing, right? We're missing the final finalizing moment of what we have been doing since 2008. And if you have anything around 29 degrees of the, particularly of the uh, brain, cardinal signs, signs, thank you. Um, It is important to know, or or in the earth signs, right, that you are finalizing a huge moment in your life that's been going on for at least three years. And this finalizing moment is a culmination. That last hit of a, especially a Pluto transit is where everything makes sense. This I've been feeling into through 175 of my own Pluto transits. I feel like I've been through in the last (laughs) seven years. Um, Plus even just reading, I'm rereading the Hades moon book by Judy Hall right now. And she said, she verbatim said it again. She was like, the last hit of a Pluto transit is where everything comes clear. And I was like, yep, lived it, know it. Yes. So that is right every time. So knowing that collectively, we're going to have that moment oh, there it is. It's solidified. That's what we were doing. And then if you have that degree in your chart, oh, solidified, that's what you've been doing for three years. So we aren't even in the moment yet where collectively we go, that's what we've been up to, right? (laughs) That's coming. That's still coming. We're still finalizing. Like we might've had a preview of that, you know, with with the entry into Aquarius last March and with the entry into Aquarius this January, where we transited that last degree of Capricorn, uh, you know, the like cathartic anoretic degree of Capricorn. Uh, So we might've had glimpses of like, this is what's finalizing and this is the way forward. And I talk a lot about that switch from Capricorn to Aquarius in my episode, which I think is entitled like, uh, inner gold with Pluto or something like that, mm. unearthing your inner gold. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really this um, final unearthing, right? And with with Pluto and Capricorn, it was all about the structures, the, the hierarchy, speaking of hierarchy, the hierarchies in your life that are not working. And that can be the hierarchy that you exist in with your employer. It can be the hierarchy within your romantic relationship. It can be the hierarchy in your community, in society. Like obviously collectively, it's also happening because we're all taking a look at like, do we actually want to live in the way that the 1% have sort of prescribed us to live? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a liberation that's coming from that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for bringing that up because I do think that's really important to communicate here um, that, you know, this isn't over yet. Uh, and specifically for dates, if people want to know, uh, Pluto retrogrades or is in Aquarius until September 2nd. And then it's going to retrograde back um, into Capricorn. And November 20th, it enters Aquarius again for good. Uh, And what's also interesting to note at that time is we will have a harmonious aspect to Uranus retrograde. It's not going to be exact, but Uranus will reach the 27th degree of Taurus and we'll have Pluto at the 29th degree of Capricorn. So that's going to happen like September, October. So there is, you know, there is some, some change here, some liberation, uh, some changes to potentially some of those, um, things that happened in April as well, right? Some of building off of some of those realizations or those shifts and seeing how that actually affects us moving forward and our ability to kind of stand in our power um, and be 
held in community and all of these things that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. It'll be very interesting to witness. Um, again, it's an energy where I'm like, expect the unexpected. Don't tie yourself to anything. Don't think, you know, (laughs) as an astrologer, people are like, you know, I'm like, we don't know shit. We know themes. We paint pictures. We know how things might ride, whether they're going to be uncomfortable or uncomfortable, but then there's a whole spectrum within that. So expect the unexpected whenever it's Aquarius, whenever it's Uranus, whenever (laughs) it's like, just don't think, you know, um, other than working with the opportunities and themes and the areas in your chart that these things are moving through. So, you know, as we begin to wrap up here, it's like for everything we've talked about, my biggest suggestion for anyone listening that is probably sitting there being like, so what do I do about it? Uh, How does this impact me? Those are always the questions, right? What does this mean for me? Uh, And they're valid questions is to go look at what what sign rules what house in your chart? So when we're saying, you know, Jupiter moving into Gemini, I want you to go and look at that area of your chart and that house and go, okay, this is where those themes might play out and know that within what we've said, there's 7 million possibilities that can play out beyond it because every sign governs so many things. Like guys, I have a book that is, you know, just what, just a word of what the sign rules. And this book is like 7,000 million pages. Okay. So I want you to understand there's such a spectrum, but looking at that house and saying, okay, this may be the area where what we've talked about may play out in your life. And then go look at that house that's ruled by Aquarius in your chart and say, okay, this is where Pluto is going to be hanging out for the next 19 years. Cool. Um, And go and look at, you know, where's Taurus in your chart. And this is the, the starting point, dip your toes in, have a little taste of what may be activating in your life. But beyond that, it's like, just pay attention to those themes coming up in your life, right? What is rearing its ugly head and what is feeling exciting? And how is that linking back to everything we've said? Yeah, exactly. And I think also for those people who are like, I'm not a do-it-yourself kind of person, then obviously we're here. We offer one-on-one support readings all Mm -hmm all of those kinds of things. I actually do have these like limited mini readings until the end of February that I'm still offering that are just like mini forecasts. So if anyone's Mm -hmm. into that, I think I have a few spots left still. So yeah, Yeah, grab them up, grab them up. My books are closed until probably, you know, I'm feeling like it's going to be the spring equinox or yeah, I'm like energetically got no space. Um, so that's, you know, for anyone that's like, I need help, um, go to Bonnie right now. <laughs> you also have some great guides too, like for I people do. that want to look at what the houses mean. Like, I think you have a downloadable like houses guide. Yep. I have, um, the karma of the 12 houses that'll really help everyone figure out, you know, just that blip of, okay, yeah. if it's in, you know, Taurus is in your eighth house, what could that mean for you? That guide is great. We can link that. Um, and even, you know, Mercury retrogrades, we didn't even talk about those, but those are happening too. We've got one in, I believe April, I don't know, May, I don't know. There's one Aries is our next one of a guide for that. There's, there's guides guys. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, there's lots of things. We'll add all of the links in there. Um, the and yeah, I feel like Obviously, we we can always go on forever, but I know. Yeah, we'll have to. I think we'll call it quits for this one. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I overwhelm them with enough information. Okay, perfect. Oh, guys, I listen. Remember, I listened to a three-hour podcast. It's okay. Um, But no, this this has been, I think, really potent. And if you guys, you know, if you have questions, thoughts, DM us on Instagram or shoot us an email. Um, because your thoughts might prompt another podcast that may be something that we feel 
like didn't get touched or needs to get touched. And um, sometimes that's really great. As manifestors, we're not the best at receiving that, but <laughs> but sometimes we can, try. <laughs> we can try, right? Sometimes there is things where I get an email and I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I do want to talk about that, right? Today, you mentioned wanting to talk about um, the North Node Chiron conjunction. I was like, I do want to talk about that. So, you know, um, if you guys have those little things come through, you're like, well, wait, we missed this. Uh, send us a message. Or if I'm ex- you're excited about something, we want to hear from you and see how this stuff is landing for you or even your stories. I love hearing, you know, when you're like, this is exactly hitting this point for me. And I love hearing that too. So please, you know, shoot us a DM and tell us how this conversation landed for you. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. And yeah, thank you everyone for listening and mm-hmm. good luck this year. You know where to find <laughs> us if mm-hmm. you need anything and we love you. <laughs> <laughs>